Hollywood is on the air. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. We bring you this special radio-television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Welcome to the Funderated Podcast. I'm Taylor. This is Paul. We talk about Funderated stuff, movies. This week we are watching, we're just going to talk about uh, Master and Commander. Uh, what's the whole name of the movie? It's like Master and Commander mm. of the Seven I don't, what's the? So I was kind of wondering this because I was I was looking it up on different streaming services. I wound up watching it on Tubi. Um, turns out I don't mind advertisements. I thought I would abhor them. I thought I would be just a child of YouTube premium and Netflix and not like ads at all. In this, I was I was totally okay with it. Um, I was looking it up and everything was like, oh, master and commander, master and commander, master and commander, far side of the world. And I, yeah. I, I didn't really know what to watch. So I just went with master and commander, far side of the world. Yeah, that's the title. All right. Is it? So we're, we're going to pause really quick. We're going to play the trailer. And yeah. We'll come right back. We can get home as we are. We're not going home. The power of nature will threaten them. Our enemy has more than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers, and we are supposed to stop them. Torn between fulfilling his duty. Captain's not called Lucky Jack for no reason. Phantom or no, Lucky Jack will have And the lives of the men he commands. Steady! He must face the invincible. He fights like you, Jack. A hunter becomes the hunted. Well then. That's not a moment to lose. Two feet six inches, sir. The men would follow you anywhere. As a friend, I would say that we should have turned back weeks ago. It's leadership they want. Strength. Find that within yourself, and you will earn their respect. Stay off to us. Let's fly! 
we're back. <laughs> it's my favorite. Uh, what a trailer. Uh, so, yeah, um, I can never remember the, the, the second part of the title. So, yeah. Far Side of the World. Okay. I don't know. I don't remember when the movie came out if it had that subtitle with it because it could be like a. Um, we were just talking about this movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, my memory is getting the best of me. Um, it, it, they changed it to "Live, Die, Repeat," but originally it was "Edge of Tomorrow." So I didn't. I didn't remember it saying "Far Side of the World," but who knows? Maybe it did. I was. A, I was a bouncing baby boy when this movie came out. <laughs> I didn't I did realize it, it was so old. Like I was like, "Whoa!" I thought it came out in like 2010, something like that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh no! I did not know it came out in like two. It came out like 2003 or 2004. Yeah, something this, like that. this is not a post writers strike film. Yeah, I thought I, I straight up thought that it was like that it was uh, that it came out like way way newer than it was. <laughs> no, no, this like, was like the plane stayed in the sky, the banks didn't shut down, Y two K is over. Let's make a celebratory film about a, a ship chasing the French. Yeah, you know, like this movie, I didn't initially want to watch. Like my, I didn't even see it in the theater because I remember like. It, it just looked boring like it just didn't the trailer just it just was like people I think people fell asleep during the trailer <laughs> it's like it, yeah i get it so i was very fortunate in that i saw this movie with my dad and my dad was super obsessed with sailing right like lived and died for sailing and i i got to sail a bit when i was a kid so i enjoyed it too and at that point, I just loved movies. We would see a movie every single week whenever I would see him. And that was our thing. And then we would like break it down afterwards. So I was seeing movies every week at the time with him. And this came out and we watched it. And I remember loving it. So what was it, So what was your experience the first time you saw it? And when was it? That was a beautiful story. Uh, I assumed essentially when I was watching this movie, I was like, this is straight up like a dad movie. This is like for sure a movie someone like a kid would go see with <laughs> yeah. his dad. Russell uh, Crowe with a manly ponytail. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw this movie. My cousin, uh, shout out to my cousin, John. Uh, he, we went to college together and uh-huh. uh, he actually owned the movie on DVD. And oh, he, like, was wide widescreen or or TV uh, um, four by three. Better be wide. For screen. sure, it was widescreen. He he yeah. was like super into that kind of and, and, yeah that I have artsy, this fartsy version of it. Yeah, because he would judge. I forgot that we judged people on that. That was like a thing, right? You're yeah, like, oh, absolutely. So I um. I have this like really rancid memory that I haven't let go of. But when I was a kid and movies were coming out on DVD and widescreen and uh, four by three, like movies originally came out in four by three, but they were trying to draw people away from television and put them into theaters. So they came up with widescreen because you couldn't get a TV like that. My cousin hated the black bars on DVDs when it was in widescreen. So the maniac would zoom in like somebody that didn't know God. Like he would zoom <laughs> into the screen and we he would just be like, you know what? I don't care what's going on on either side of it. I'm good. I'm just going to really get into this action and not have black bars on the top and the bottom. And, oh, God. That's that's going to be something I unpack in therapy like 10 years from now. 
Like, we don't talk to this day. All right. <laughs> now he's behind real bars. Um, yeah. <laughs> I finally framed him for some. Yeah. Yeah. John, John had this movie. He had it on widescreen. He had, like, the super uh-huh. edition. Where it came with, like, three other discs. <laughs> like, oh, geez, those were so, so freaking exciting to get. I had the Kingdom of Heaven, one of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was it. It was like a whole a whole portfolio you would open. <laughs> Those were great. Like you, you had to have like a little briefcase to carry your movie around with you. That uh-huh. was super sick. Yeah, and like the whole box. The box is like super wide. It's like way bigger than everything else. In yeah, 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 yeah. Like, is that a novel? You're like, no. This is a, this is the collector's you, edition of this movie. <laughs> do you remember if you watched it in one go? Did yeah. you like? Oh yeah. Oh, you did. Oh yeah. That's cool. I sat okay. on the floor of his room and his like his. Oh, we didn't have like a TV in the living room, so we just like he had like a nice computer monitor. We just. I just sat on the floor of his bed, like you know, like you used to do when you're like nineteen. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like like sleepover style, like you just. I so re- so you enjoyed it the first time you watched it, right? Yeah, I've always been a big Russell Crowe fan. Me and John mm-hmm. uh, love Gladiator. Uh, we love yeah. Ridley Scott, even though I know Ridley Scott didn't direct this. It's got a very like Ridley Scott feel to it, and of course, a lot of the cinematography is the same. Yeah, so really of course you've got. Um, you know russell crowe as always who's like like your dad being on tv like the dad you wish you had right yeah (laughs) he uh wasn't he like a fighting and that was around the south park time when he was like fighting around the world something like that right wasn't he he getting into a lot of fights with paparazzi or something oh maybe yeah I i just remember him scaring me until he made the movie um nice guys with ryan gosling and i love that movie and i was like okay russell crowe you're you can make me laugh i'm good to go i seen him in a movie with meg ryan i think it was called like proof of life or something like that and he made that sometime and then he like took a break from movies i don't understand like why like how he got like how he let himself go because he was like the hollywood it guy for a while and so I i think it was all of the violence yeah, did he just, That's so he guess. was like, his off-camera antics were like, I don't know enough about that. He could, I mean, he could, I don't really know much either, because I don't, honestly, I don't really like learning too much about actors, because that kind of takes me out of their their films. Mm. Um, Like the upcoming Flash movie, I'm like, eh, do I really want to see that? Yeah, because you know way too much about. subpoenaed or, or something, or arraigned? Yeah. Yeah, because you know um, so much about, like, Ezra Miller that it's like. Exactly. Yeah, I don't. And I was a big Ezra Miller fan for a long time. Um, He's a good actor, yeah. But it could also be that he just wanted to retire. It could have been like a family thing. It could have been a health thing. It could have been a mental health thing. It it could have been anything. But he made so many movies that were so, so good. And he could be so selective with his scripts. And I mean, Gladiator wasn't even completely written when they made it, right? So they filled it in. They did a lot of improving. And I don't know if the script was even done by the it definitely wasn't done by the time they started filming. So the dude is super talented. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he took a break, it was because he wanted to take a break, in my opinion. Yeah, okay. That I can totally sense. see why you did this movie, though. Just watching it for like, I'm going to say 30 minutes, and you're like, oh, I get it. I, I get why this movie's good. I get why they got this crazy cast. I totally understand it. Um 
you can tell they gave the director a lot of artistic freedom. The cinematography is great. The writing is great. Um, the the music's hit or miss. Yeah, trans transition music incredible. All other music. I also would say it has kind of a weird sense of direction. Like in the boat, you're like, I feel like the boat. You never really know where they're going. It's like we were like meandering. Where are we going? Like where's? Yeah. And maybe they never knew where they were going either. <laughs> they were just kind of like aimlessly sailing but like um yeah i never really figured out until they were like we're going to the galapagos and we're like oh okay well, i mean I that's the like... first time they that's that's i think good because that's the first time they knew where they were going and they had a direction and yeah. they made it uh very clear that they were saying hey we're going south and then you know, stuff happened. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, like Heck I had... yeah let's go south russell crow did you have a hard time going like i don't know where the galapagos are like <laughs> No, because I'm a diver. I freaking love the Galapagos. I want to go to the Galapagos real bad. So where where on the, in the world is that? Is that let me right, let me guess? Me can I can I guess? I want to guess so bad. I'm gonna say you know what? I'm gonna guess too, and I'm gonna guess right next to Guadalupe. <laughs> <laughs> Made it all the way to California. <laughs> It's what's insane. your what's your guess? It's probably near Ecuador or something. It's in San Diego, dude. They're in yeah. San Diego. <laughs> like right off the coast of San Diego. You can see the surfboards in the film with the storm. Um, let's see. Okay, so if they were the British, they're fighting the French. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing the Galapagos is But they were they were near like Brazil at one point in the movie. So it's probably somewhere in the Caribbean, maybe? Yeah, I was thinking it's like south of Cuba, somewhere in there. If there's okay. like a group of islands somewhere over there. Yeah, yeah, that's my guess too. Yeah, but it's like honestly, I do not know. I have to, I have to Google it. But I like being dumb in this particular. I, I, with geography, I've never shied away from being an idiot. I have no idea where anything on this planet is. <laughs> I used to watch the show where in the world is Carmen San Diego. And you watch those kids run around with the like the lights as they like they'd shout out like you know Ecuador and you'd like run over and they mm-hmm. put the light down. I would have killed at that game as a kid. As an adult, I do not know. It's just well, how like, many times have you needed that knowledge in the course of your life? I don't know. Randomly, I'll have like weird autistic facts that just land because I was going to be a teacher for a while, so I had to take the multi subject credential. Um, and like so, I know a lot of weird geography stuff and like a lot of weird history stuff it'll just oh you just mean random facts oh sure yeah yeah like i'm like i know i know exactly on a globe i can point to pin like pinpoint where the galapagos islands are and i've never needed that information before (laughs) perfect i cannot do it well i was watching the movie i'm like i don't know where the galapagos is so it is funny though that you told me that like two minutes into it, your girlfriend fell asleep. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, she was. <sighs> so I, um, I was asking what your experience was and then what your experience rewatch. Let's circle back to that. So okay. your experience rewatching it, you liked it the first time. Mm-hmm. Did you like it the second time? Yeah. So rewatching it now, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought that this movie was great. Um, so take, take me on a ride. Put me on the roller coaster of your opinion of this movie for the rewatch that you did recently. Oh, it's just like it just feels like like this movie is like the way men are supposed to be. It was like it's like a man's man movie. I feel like 
it was like back to the return of like when men were men like that's like if i was watching a trailer for this now like i'd want it that'd be like one of the voiceovers it's like when men were men <laughs> like, that's, really that's it's the... so it's so weird i so i um i don't know i guess i don't really think i'm not a particularly masculine guy and i've never defined i I generally don't look at things through that kind of gender-based spectrum very much Mm -hmm. um i tend to appreciate like female all female casts a lot but i never really think about it the other way so i didn't realize it until we were going through you know some of the questions that we generally ask ourselves and i was like oh my god there weren't women Mm -hmm. there just weren't there just weren't women um and that makes sense like why would i'm just kidding (laughs) like let's let's chase down the french uh get the barmaids like i (laughs) i understand at the time it wasn't a it wasn't a a a place for women um but i never got that kind of burly alpha alpha male kind of energy from the movie uh you're right uh i i personally in that sense like i i was uh, jokes um but yeah like there is um you're right because it's like an, it, they're british so they're like they're elegant but they're also like manly so it's like we're gonna be manly we're gonna shoot guns we're gonna like test run the cannons and they're gonna play violin and then we're yeah. gonna eat pudding and like it just was yeah, like see i weirdly... never i never even think about that yeah that's so like very, I, it's very british like i very had like a very mm-hmm. british vibe to it they were like we're gonna be manly okay. men but we're gonna be well read we're gonna be well studied we're yeah. very science and also, like, for the Queen, like, it's very yeah. British. Like, it had very British, like, vibes to it. Um, I got, I got like, a really strong sense of duty. I mean, that was one of the very overt themes. Like, they directly have conversations about that multiple times mm-hmm. through, throughout the movie. Um, so did you – okay, so we're going to go real quick through starting up the – so going into it before you watch it, when you start the movie – when you either like your your like for it ebbed or flowed, uh, what what was that what was that ride like for you? On your uh, I kept life? wanting it to be to be honest. I kept waiting for. I'm a huge fan of Muppet Treasure Island. Oh and god, that's a good movie. I, I kept waiting for Kermit the Frog to come out. Be like, really? <laughs> Swashbuckling, yeah, or whatever. Like it. I was just waiting for it to not be serious, and because it's such a uh. somber serious film there is hardly a moment of of hubris or humor in the film um well there's some hubris there but yeah there's no yeah uh even the humor feels very tense Mm -hmm. i was gonna i was gonna mention that a little bit later that that lesser of two weevils uh comment from russell while a very good joke was also i was like so he's not gonna (laughs) kill him so he's, yeah, not gonna, yeah, right. he's not about to beat him over the head with a, a dinner platter okay but all yeah right. there was a scene where like the wind dies and they're all kind of yeah. sitting around where they're like waiting for the wind to come on and, I, mm-hmm. and I, in my brain just went to a jump cut of muppet treasure island where that also happens and then one of yeah. the muppets just shouts out he's like i got cabin fever oh, and the other guy's like i got it too and then they do a dance <laughs> And I was like, I would love to have seen a super cut of these two movies just cut together in a way that's like hilarious. Oh, um, I'm sure it exists. But yeah, <laughs> uh, my brain just kept doing that. And then I was like, you know what? Uh-huh. I really enjoy some of this. And then a lot of it, like I was really stricken by like how gross the and like how much of the movie they spend upkeeping the boat. 
that was like yeah. uh, a big part of it like like at the very beginning there's like a battle right and like a, uh-huh. like a cannonball like takes out part of the deck and like takes out part of like the um i know what's called on the front of the boat but like the mass that's like the the, the woman the woman that's the got the chest with the you know the term yeah the four with the mermaid or something yeah know. it's just some type of yeah some type of female thing Ask that they're him. constantly like yeah there's constantly like remaking it and making it uh-huh. nice again and just like re yeah. there's constant shots of that movie of like him cleaning the windows and like swabbing the deck and like yeah uh and so part of me was like as i was watching the film i kept like remembering those like oh yeah they're in the military this is yeah. their job every day they have to swab the deck or they have to paint or they have to do something yeah. they have a job on this boat and that was a thing that kept me like kind of into the movie because I was like, they, I just feel like they'd just be sitting around bored all the time if it wasn't the military. Um, and I was also shocked by the amount of like randomly the captain would go, oh, give them two extra rations for whiskey or whatever. And I'm like, they ration whiskey? Like I just was kind of shocked by some of that. But like also the way he like willy nilly rationed stuff out. And I was like, that that seems to be that would be a problem like down the road. Like, like, yeah, we are clearly out of food because Captain. Well, they, well, they go to port. Yeah. You know, they, yeah, yeah. They talk about supplies and everything. And so you were excited about it at the beginning and then you watched it and you were like, Oh, this is more grounded than I thought. And how did you leave the movie? It kind of, well, it kind of brought me in further. Like the groundedness of the movie mm-hmm. kind of brought me in further. Cause I, you know, it was kind of, ex- yeah. I didn't really remember the first time I watched it. So I was kind of, expecting a little bit more like a grandiose type movie yeah. a lot more like battles yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. where they're like tie down the ship in the hell like and you know just more intensity and it, uh-huh. i forgot how like slow the movie was and how like character driven it was for the captain and uh-huh. uh paul bettany's character and like D- the tension it- among the crew like I-, I can tell you later one of my favorite scenes but it's like um i just wasn't i was shocked by like how real it felt uh, like that that yeah. was one of the cool cool things so when i left the um left the movie um i was not as impressed i feel like it kind of started to have less groundedness as it went on and right. became more of a movie um because of this weird swashbuckling scene toward the end um which also which seemed, had to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of happen. course. Unfortunately, I, it had to happen. Yeah, yeah like I this, movie, the movie would be incredibly boring if it's like, hey, it's like, what? Is, you want to read a a movie version of reading a book? Like that's the. <laughs> uh, the but yeah, it, it it seemed like that would was it became less of a, um, a grounded movie toward uh-huh. toward the end. You're like, oh, they're on the Galapagos Islands in San Diego, and of course they see. <laughs> the uh the enemy ship because of course they're also vacationing there too like why huh like why did they well they knew they knew they were going to them but the timing was a little a little convenient not too convenient like not not there wasn't a i didn't feel too strong of a kind of days ex machina pull yeah like oh we gotta wrap the movie okay ding (laughs) we've got to go right this second (laughs) um did you did you like the movie after rewatching it more than you did when you went into it. Yeah, I did. I actually really enjoyed okay. it. All I right. was I like, this say. movie was cool. It's a little long, so I wouldn't sit down and watch it all, you know, willy nilly all the time. But, uh, yeah. 
I really actually like was like thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the film. Um, so let me let me kind of tell you my experience. Like I asked because I had uh, an interesting experience with the movie. Um, I was watching it with my partner at the beginning. And I, I remembered it so fondly. And I remember leaving even, I, I was very young whenever this movie came out, but I left it after seeing it in the theater. And I was like, man, that was a great movie. And as the years went on, if it ever came up, I would always say, and this is like on my list of things that I suggest people watch um, because it feels very real. I just remember it felt very, very real. It didn't felt feel uh, spectacular. It didn't feel fabricated. There wasn't any like hamming it up. There weren't too many conveniences. I just remember it feeling very real to me. So I go into it. And I'm all excited about it. And I'm like, okay, it might be a little slow because it's a Navy movie. And I'm not sure if she's really into Navy movies. I, I know she doesn't like war movies in general. So deep, grounded naval battles probably aren't her thing. Uh, and she passed out right away. And <laughs> I totally understood that. And I was like, yeah, you don't need to watch this. I'm not going to subject you to this. So I watched it in two sittings. The first time I watched about 45 minutes. And it was slow. I remember at the start of the movie, I was all gung-ho about it. You don't see the main character until like six minutes into the film, and I love that. The shots are good. The lack of music and, and the sound design is really, really solid. So that just you know drew me into it. And then after a while, I was like, this is very good. Like objectively as good as you can be god is it boring holy crap is this a boring movie it's very hard to watch and then it drew me back in mm -hmm. so i had this huge you know this huge trough that i had to kind of get through but after a while i was like oh my god i care if this doctor gets to see those iguanas up close and that was really cool to me um, I always state that if you can care about something that you would normally not, that means the movie's doing something good. Uh, Phantom Thread is a very good example of that. There's a dinner scene in there when one character is making a dinner for another character, and you feel, or at least I did, I felt so tense. And I was like, oh my God, I, I hope this dinner goes well. And I was like, man, I just watched an Avengers movie where there was some like thermonuclear core about to blow up in, in some part of like Somalia and the world was going to blow up. And I care <laughs> if this dinner is going on. That's great. I love um, Phantom Thread. That movie is amazing. Oh, it's super uh, good. That movie, uh, a good example in that movie would be just in general that he makes dresses. And as a man, you don't care. But there's a scene in that movie where he makes a dress for somebody uh -huh. and she does not respect like how nice the dress is. And she gets like right. drunk and she's like being kind of sloppy drunk in that dress. And he's like uh -huh. offended by it. And he's like, I do not want you to be wearing my stuff. And he's like yeah. trying to get it off of her. And you like watch and you kind of empathize with him. You're like, cause he seems kind of crazy at the same time. He's like, you were mm -hmm. ruining my art. It's like, if yeah. I gave you a painting to wear and you're like, I'm just going to roll around and, get drunk with this on like how do you feel about that and you're like no i'm not cool with this at all like this is yeah I spent hours on this you know and like that movie yeah, did a they, good they job do, of they you, do a really good job of that yeah you've not care like you caring about some kind of inanimate object like a dress you're like not only have i never sewed but now i care about this guy and it's like it's it's just it's really good that movie's amazing yeah 
So, um, so I cared about the doctor getting to the Galapagos, and I felt heartbroken when he couldn't. Uh, Spoiler. And I felt just when he got to go back, and at the end of the movie, where they this is going to be full spoilers for everything. I guess. Oh, of that's course, kind of yeah. Um, yeah, it's a twenty-year-old movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm always kind of like a lot of people haven't seen the original Halloween, for instance. It's it's mm. getting to that that age where it would be considered like a classic. So a lot of people, like a lot of people, haven't seen Gone with the Wind. Um, but it's it's really interesting because at the end I was like, he gets to go back to the Galapagos, like he gets to study his stuff. That's great. Um, and that was really cool. And I was thinking, oh, this is a very grounded character drama that happens to take place on a naval ship. And that's when I really re-fell in love with the movie again. Um, Outside of the kind of unfortunately necessary movie-ing at the Mm -hmm. end, I loved it. I love it way more than I did um, when I was a kid. So I I was curious to see what your trajectory of the movie appreciation. How yeah, that I really, I walked away out of it going like, man, that was good. I watched it all in one sitting. I just plugged down and watched it. I mean, I had, I had snacks, so there's that. But, oh, um, yeah, you can do anything with snacks. <laughs> but, yeah, I got through it with snacks. Um, but yeah, I, I like the, I, I could watch lots of movies. I mean, it was a it was a movie that I, I looked forward to because I knew I was going to get like, like, sunk into it like there's i get uh-huh. a certain type of weird excitement when i'm like oh, i'm about to be in, like enthralled in an epic adventure for like a couple of hours like this is gonna be nice like this would be a good way to spend because it's a very like escapism type movie so and i really love historical dramas i really love oh. period piece movies so to I'm, watch... I'm not in that camp believe it or not yeah like i like the um one of the things I was, I, it kept me like fascinated by just watching probably more of the slower, boring parts of the movie was just the way they wear those hats. Because it's like, how would you wear a hat that like you wear it sideways and then they wear it forward? It's just weird. Like those hats, they just seemed like the fashion of the, just seemed kind of rough. And then the amount they, of like. There was something very funny. Like I'm glad you brought up the hats because I was looking at the hats one time and then I accidentally looked at Russell Crowe's hair while they were on this galleon sailing through after just catching a big wind. And I was like, oh, nobody's hair is moving at all. <laughs> they, they should have had a fan on yeah. set or something. <laughs> This will be breaking, like movie breaking details. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I also, like, I started looking at their clothing, right? They were, like, the guy uh-huh. would wear a jacket and, like, underneath that's, like, a vest and, like, a whole bunch of just stuff. And then they get yeah. thrown overboard. And it's, like, heavy, heavy fabrics soaking wet in ice cold water. I was like, these guys, like, I don't understand how any of them would fall overboard and survive. Like, well, it also depends on where the Galapagos are. Maybe it was very nice wet water. Yeah, maybe, right? It's like we'll never water, know. Right? Yeah. One of one of the, the mysteries lost to time. Where are the Galapagos Islands? <laughs> well, yeah, like the, some of it was just like the times uh, I got enthralled with the costumes and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I, and the fighting and stuff. I don't know. I really enjoyed the historicalness of it. And then I, w- I really mm-hmm. enjoyed watching like the little tiny details where like the chef um, 
making food and then like looking at like the weird sort of pudding that they would make. And it's like, uh-huh. what type of nutritional value? My brain does weird things when I watch movies like that. I'm like, what type of nutritional uh-huh. value does that provide them? Like, do they all have scurvy? Like, how do they stay like healthy on this boat? Like, how are they not all, a lot like, of, what do they call and, it? Grog? Yeah. Like, Isn't how are they not all, like pale and dying? You know what I mean? It just was like, um, yeah. Yeah, because like the my, way my history teachers would describe it, it's like if you didn't have, if you didn't have like fruit, you'd get pretty sick. You could get like scurvy, and then you could mm-hmm. also get like dysentery pretty easy. And it's like my teacher would describe dysentery as like diarrhea, like you've never had it. And it's just like all right, look, this is good times. So yeah, I, just, I think they, I think they had it covered. They were probably all eating a bunch of oranges. Yeah, they just didn't show a lot of that, so I was like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not really printed to the movie. It's just my brain wants to sure. see realistic stuff. So I don't know. I'm just like, huh, how are they all staying like sane? So I, yeah, I, but I, I really enjoyed it though. Like at the end of the day, um, I think it like, I mean, if we were going to talk about like what aged the best, I was like, I think this movie has aged incredibly, right? I think it aged Me incredibly too. well. Like you could watch it back when it came out. You could watch it today. You could probably watch it 10 years from now. It's still really good just because mm-hmm. There's no technology. There's no there's nothing that can really date the movie. So yeah. it's it's just got like a perfect sort of period piece time capsule thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I was really, really, really into it. Uh, I wanted to read a couple of these reviews really quick. Um, I was um, I, it, speaking of like the the uh, how it's aged and how it could uh, how it would be watchable now. Honestly, if they. The only thing that's that I could see being different about this movie is them not including the swashbuckling scene at the end. I think that you could put this in a theater, call it art house and have them never see that ship again. Go to the Galapagos, do their stuff. The captain and the doctor just, you know, make their peace. And then they go sail back and bring the two iguanas to King George, whoever the heck it was. Someone the 16th or <laughs> some guy. There are like, any kings that got to the 20th? They're like, bring no, me my huh? slop. That, that'd be like, there's a lot of those guys. Like, bring the me the slop. Bring me my chicken. I don't know if the grog was the. What, well, they had a queen, right? They the... had the queen. They were the, it was the queen. No, the grog. Grog no, I mean, like, like food or alcohol. I don't know. We were talking about the uh, well, like who was the king or whoever during the during the reign. Oh yeah, King George. It would have been a king. It wouldn't have been a queen. I don't know. Maybe queen. Probably Elizabeth. She's. <laughs> she, so she was alive seeing... for a really freaking long time. <laughs> I'm just so used to seeing British movies like James Bond or something where they're like for queen uh-huh. and country, and you like forget that there was like a whole slug of like kings. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of their thing. Yeah, you're like, the queen of country, you're like, no, there was a, there was a, a long time where it's just kings. They had a lot of kings for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so guessing King like, George, he's, you know what, with my historical knowledge, he's it, that was the French dude. I don't know. Yeah. They said well, this Napoleon is uh, April 1805. It says uh, Napoleon was the, was, the, was the king of France. Was the queen of England. Um. Napoleon was what? Was the king of France. Nice. Good for him. He wasn't even from France, right? He was from um, like Corsica or something. I think so. 
I was like, so I'm trying to look for like one of these reviews that's like shorter. And a few of them are like, just like, okay. A lot of them will just say, I'll just read the top lines of them. Okay. So they'll okay. say, um, nine out of 10, this ship is our home. This ship is England for the queen. <laughs> um, <laughs> are, are you uh, from James Bond lover 68? Um, <laughs> did you tell me when these reviews happened and what uh, review site you are looking at? Oh, okay. So I'm on IMDb. This okay. one is from 2008. It says, This ship is our home. This ship is England. That one gave him 9 out of 10. This it's a very is... good line, to be fair. That's, like, yeah. that's a really good line in the movie. And then uh, this one's a 10 out of 10. This is uh, done in uh, November of 2014. It says, absolutely underrated masterpiece. So on brand for us. Um, Perfect. uh, This one says, masterly and commanding. This is in December of 2004. So soon after the movie came out. Okay, so it's do any of them like go into specifics or anything, or is it just over? I'm just reading the headlines that they wrote. Some of them are like, oh, okay, um, okay. Uh, give me some of the bad ones. What were some of the bad ooh, ones? Let's see if there is a bad one. G- give me one that mentions molasses. I don't know if they have any bad reviews. That's going to take me a second to find a bad one. Because like, okay, this came out before right. IMDb was like a big thing. You that's, know? There's one that's 7 out of 10. That one's pretty low. That's pretty low for this movie. 9 out of 10. Most of them were 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10. I might have to go back to the 7 out of 10 one. That might be the lowest we get. Because the tricky, the tricky thing is when you're looking at uh, reviews on a modern site, you have to think of the people who are going to go back and take their time to review it, and it's probably going to be positive. No one's like yeah. unearthing their memories of a movie. And I would do this with um, Babylon AE, one of my least favorite movies, along with In the Heart of the Sea, which is another sailing movie. So All right, I so want to go the, on to this IMDb. This is the 7 out of 10 one. Let me, uh, let me click on this one for you. Okay. Well, let me hear. So I want to go back on to IMDb and say, in the heart of the sea, one out of 10, movie with no direction, a great cast, utterly wasted. What the heck? You know, I would only go back and say it's a good movie. Yeah, this guy wrote a whole thing. This is like, this is, there's. Oh, nice. Give me, give me the spark notes. Paragraphs. Oh, I can't just read through this real quick. I don't even have my glasses on. Um, let's see. Okay. It says, this breathtaking and handsome story was uh, adapted from two of Patrick O'Brien's much successful seafaring novels. It starts in the year of 1805 when Europe has been vanquished by Napoleon and only the British Navy stands in the way to total victory. Nearly the cost of South America, a new conflict is brewing. Oh, nearing the coast. He meant coast, it says cost. Uh, <laughs> Captain Jack, Lucky Jack, Aubrey. His name is Jack Aubrey. Russell Crowe of the Royal Navy commands the HMS Surprise. That does not sound like the name of the show. Surprise? The HMS Oh, the average surprise? is actually on IMDb. It's a uh, 7.5 out of 10. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So he's he's like going through a whole recap. Uh. What is it? Let me let me click on the reviews here. Which this is surprising to me. A lot of tens. I would expect there would be more. A lot of sevens. A lot of eights. Which is surprising. Um. Decent amount of sixes too. I would say that's about right. That seems right for this movie because it doesn't, it would do better as either a blockbuster where everything's exploding, you know, maybe they bring on Michael Bay Um, (laughs) or as a super 
artsy character drama. Like they didn't, um, you know, to bring up Gladiator again, they didn't quite do what Gladiator did, where it's character and action. Yeah. I liked it because the action was very sporadic. It was very confusing. It was very realistic. Um, they managed to make a lot of tension just seeing that other ship and that's saying something where you're not you're not actually engaging in it. You don't have a huge reason to be afraid of it. They had one encounter, but that was kind of lopsided. You just have the 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 gravitas of the ship, and that's really cool. Yeah, it's just like but I, here's the ship. It's just this big black mass of a ship. Yeah, yeah, in the distance. I I wouldn't I wouldn't give this a ten out of ten at all. I would get. I'd probably give it an eight out of ten if I had to. Eight or nine out of ten. And yeah, I if it, it. if it came out today, it would probably get like a six. And it'd also be compared to like a Pirates of the Caribbean, which is like way more flashy and sexy as far as like movies See, go. Because because of how slow it was, I feel like it won it. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't. I and I kept looking for that comparison. You know, I kept saying. Well, this was this came out before Pirates of the Caribbean was like taking over the world, I think. And I don't I don't feel like I need to draw that comparison because even in these tropical scenes in the Galapagos, uh the long lost city, you don't <laughs> feel you don't feel like it's Pirates of the Caribbean. You feel like you're just on a little adventure for the doctor. Mm-hmm. They so should make this would be a huge sidebar, but if they could make a, a movie like this, um, and they could go into, are you familiar with the Lovecraft story, the, uh, the Mountains of Madness? If they made a movie like this where it was like slow uh, and methodical, but it uh, was like also a horror movie simultaneously, that would be a really cool thing, right? That'd like be super they, cool. Yeah, I don't know if, I mean, they've spent probably like close to probably like 60 million to make this movie so it's probably crazy to like crazy uh-huh. expensive but like yeah yeah it's- which is that that makes it even more surprising that this is what came out and i think around the same time the perfect storm came out right mm, yeah that would have been really close to this which was another movie that didn't have a lot of action scenes but it mainly had a lot of conversation and yeah. that was interesting that that maybe we had a thing for that going on yeah they didn't have these movies um, make the like come like this anymore there's there's just no and that was when i was watching i was like this is really refreshing to watch like a good movie i feel like i haven't uh-huh. seen a good movie like in the theater for a long time that's like guardians weird. 3 was great i have uh, not seen it yet but yeah i uh was the last thing i, I saw agree. in the theater um, you couldn't make this and John that's Wick. the first thing i thought when i saw that opening text mm-hmm I was like, oh man, you couldn't do this because there's nothing disingenuous about it to me. When I saw that, I was like, this is 100% sincere. They said, oh, this is the mission. We're looking for the Acheron. Oh, this is, you know, it, it, it had a kind of Twilight Zone feel to it where looking at it now, you know, 20, 30, 40 years uh, or 60 years later in Twilight Zone's case, you have this uh you if somebody made that today you would be like oh you're trying a little too hard same with master and commander you would look at it and you would be like that's not quite landing but because it mm-hmm. came out at that time it really feels sincere and yeah i like that a lot but you couldn't make that now 
Nah, but yeah, they so, would need it would need something like something sexier or something. You know, like it would just need yeah. Need well, more of... it would just have to go to either side of the line that it's kind of towing. It would have mm-hmm. to go either way more into action or way more into um, the character side of it, which is interesting. I wanted to kind of touch on what you said about it being a horror movie when they were that scene where uh, what was his name Holloway or something like that the the admiral who was a little bit behind on his promotion track when he was going um, through the lower decks that was terrifying yeah uh, yeah i was actually going to mention that scene um it's one it's of my a favorite. very good that's scene. my that's was one of my favorite scenes of the movie um yeah actually what's going to get that's a perfect transition into that because yeah i was going to say hey like this is um what did you have a favorite scene in the movie <sighs> Um, I liked most of the transitions. I'm actually going to say the movie, while I wasn't in love with it, it was still a little bit slow. I love Russell, everything leading up to Russell Crowe's introduction, because you normally don't have a main character of a movie, especially at that time, especially with a star as big as Russell Crowe at that point in his career. You don't not have him at the beginning of a movie. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool. They start with the very mellow, not super acted scenes. You have the really good silhouettes, you know, climbing all over the mast and everything. And it's just, there's something that feels very authentic about it. And there's something that feels very important. Yeah. Like everybody is doing something that is not flashy, but is very important to the function of the ship. Yeah. yeah I like think this that is a establishes, job. Yeah. Yeah. That, in, that establishes the entire pace of the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. That, that's a great. Mine is that scene you're talking about. So that scene where he goes under, underground to the deck and it does kind of, it's kind of horror movie esque. Um, mm-hmm. I never realized, I, don't, I didn't remember the scene from the last time I watched it, but I never realized how claustrophobic a ship like that would be especially if everyone hated you and you're like yeah. they're all blaming him for the wind dying right at least yeah. so there's like the rumor because of the around. dude <laughs> the dude with the lobotomy they're right. like who are we gonna trust the oldest guy on the ship who just had a lobotomy <laughs> and only speaks in bible verses and he like Let's never has a shirt on guy. he's always just like here would be the guy who'd be the thing <laughs> he's got the yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. Most just like Ah, he'd be the one who killed the wind. <laughs> it just reminded me of the mist. You remember the, the yeah. mist? That one lady who was like, oh, we're getting attacked by aliens. Time for Bible verses. And everyone was like, yeah. Yeah, what's that verse say? Yeah. It'd be, it'd, it'd be his fault. We throw him overboard. Um, yeah, that, that particular scene freaked me out. And I would be in the same... Mm-hmm. I felt his panic attack. Like, I felt yeah. that. And he had to go, like, go lay down. I was also shocked by how classism rocked that movie. Like, how representative it is in that movie. Because you're like, these guys are way younger than a lot of the other people on this boat. They must come from, like, a weird hierarchy family. That they make more money than somebody else. It's like, that they may not be the most qualified to be in the position that they're in, but because they have class and like status that puts them in the officer school, you know? And so like some of those pirates or pirates, pirates, um, you can't say 
pirates. Uh, the sailors, the other sailors would probably look at them and not like them because uh-huh. of that. They're like, look at you and your hoity-toity uniform and your education. Like, I get to see that being like, and they very much have like a blue collar versus white collar dynamic. And mm-hmm. uh, I, even though, you know, because they all sit in the officer's deck and, you know, I would have, uh, maybe I'll save that for the cutting room floor, but I, I would have liked to see a scene where they, uh, a show where the rest of the sailors eat and how they eat. Where's their mess hall and like how gross yeah. that mess hall looks, you know, in comparison to even the officer's room looked kind of disgusting. I was like, this looks kind of yeah. gross. Like, I don't think I would yeah. enjoy it eating in there but that's all they have nah, right? you'd love it yeah. are you kidding me <laughs> one day chipotle the next day grog <laughs> i don't even know if that's what they called it i don't even know if it was grog maybe it was grohl this is pudding it's pudding and they eat the pudding with the thing so nah, that, that was for the special occasion where they had to eat the mountain and russell crowe didn't finish his ship yeah there you go yeah. but yeah i thought that was pudding i really don't but anyway that scene i really liked um, I had another scene that I really liked too, but uh, oh, the scene where Paul Bettany has to like work on himself and he like gets shot, and he's taking out his own bullet was like that was a little most, like the most metal, but also like the most like movie scene probably silly. Ever. Yeah, he's like um, because in comparison, they pain doesn't seem to be a thing in this movie because there's no, a scene where like one of the kids, like one of the young admirals, gets his like arm chopped off. And like, uh-huh. they're like, here, bite down on this. And then he bites down on the cork and it's over in like seconds. Now I was talking to another comedian about this, of like how lame that was. Like, it's like, oh, they just, they cut through limbs like butter. Like, it's just, that's the way yeah. it is. Like everything's that, real sharp. It's a Navy ship. Yeah. It's, it's different. It just would have been like, that would have been a horrific scene. Like that there should have been blood everywhere. He's hacking through well, bone. Like it, that would have been. He was, when did, when did this take place? 1805? Mm-hmm. They probably hadn't invented pain yet, so that's understandable. <laughs> I don't think that came around until like the 1900s. <laughs> yeah, like it's just, uh, I didn't like that scene, but yeah, this, I really enjoyed the scene where he like works on himself. I thought it was like really well shot, and I really liked like the tension of it was was cool, and I also really liked that it kind of saved it saved the doctor's character because you kind of thought of them as like a like kind of a pushover um, soft boy. So like a soy oh, boy. I didn't. Oh, that's so interesting because I didn't get that at all. I was like, here's a guy who knows what he wants and is reluctantly accepting what Russell Crowe was saying. I get it. I get it. I wanted him to go onto that island. I was when he was sitting at the back of the boat and he was like angrily looking at his pictures of birds. And he was like, ah, yeah, that one's got feathers and everything. And then he sees a bird. I was, I was right back there with him. Yeah. Until the uh, little one armed kid who by the end of the movie had his own battalion, uh, until he brought the little beetle. I was upset. Yeah. I liked, I liked, but I liked his arc though. That was something I really enjoyed about that movie. I really liked Paul Bettany's like arc. Um, it just like, it just kind of wrapped, you know, like he's kind of this soft doctor guy. He's uh-huh. really necessary to the ship. When he gets shot, you're like, what are they going to do now? Like, you know, everyone's going to die. Like, that's the, like, he's incredibly important to the ship outside of the captain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene I just liked because of the, I just liked how that it went together. I was like, this is, it's just cool. It just gave me a feeling of like, this is a time when there's like no medicine and like 
yeah certain things that happen can like can really kill you and like just simply kill you um because all leading up to that when they tried to shoot that bird and he just didn't realize like what he was doing um uh-huh yeah, like, and he just accidentally shot him. Hilarious scene, but also it was like, wow. You <laughs> I was going to say, that, like... was a, that was like the most comedic scene of the movie. Like, <laughs> the, I... the one dude wearing a red coat, by the way, who's just like, like, has this giant gun that he's swinging around on the ship. And he's like, the bird, like, the bird is low. Now's the time to shoot. Right. Yeah, like, imagine gonna... you're, you're shooting skeet and... It's, you're like pull and then the wind carries it and you're like okay it's going towards the audience as soon as it gets right next to the ground when it's lowest is when i'll shoot like that's how do you think that yeah it's so down how do you say oh it's finally near people and then i know those guns shot. are probably incredibly inaccurate from what i remember like i've read books and stuff about the type of guns they had back then it's like it's basically like a shotgun that's basically what they have it's like as accurate as like a shotgun there's no you're going to hit yeah. something, but you're not, you may not hit what you're trying to hit, like just, but it's going to yeah, exactly. kill something. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, that scene was hilarious. But yeah, I, I think that the scene with the, with the kid going down to those lower decks, like that was, that might be the best scene in the movie. That was like one of the one scenes that was like, oof. It's up there because it, it, it was a real turning point in the movie for me where I was like, oh, wow, this is so much more than them just chasing a ship. This mm-hmm. is about the crew. And I could have picked up on that sooner, but sooner, but I'm kind of dumb. So it took a little <laughs> while for it to <laughs> sink in. And when it did, that hit me like a sack of hammers. It was just it it, it was really good. I, I agree. That's a very good scene. That's one of the best ones in the in Did the that did that bring you back into the movie? Um, it let me see it uh, from a different angle because I was still into the movie. I had still been I, I was kind of during the storm. I understand that you're not going to know what's going on during a storm, but I sort of zoned out because I was like, everybody's screaming. They went through half of California's water for the year film in this. There's, <laughs> I don't know. Someone fell off and I had to Google who it was. And they're like, Oh, it was Holloway because in my mind, everybody's named Holloway, I guess. Um, and I was like, which one was that? Oh, he's the dude who got the extra rum. Okay. Ah, that's a bummer. It, it, I was kind of out of it at that point. Maybe that's why he fell off. He'd be drinking too much. Yeah, with his extra, his extra ration of gruel. Yeah, did he? Was he the same character that he gave the Russell Crowe the the ship? To like, I I never. Uh One of the things I never figured out was the like how he had time to meticulously make a boat. Like that was something that I thought was hilarious. He just did it in his free time. Just carved up a thing into a. Yeah, he couldn't sleep one night, so he was like, "I shall build a ship." I'm you assuming they explained it, it. I just was like not it paying was attention. The 1800s, people built stuff with all the extra wood on the ship. Yeah, because they have like imagine. maybe everybody got a model kit. <laughs> they were like, "Welcome to the Navy, uh, Sir King, the His Highness King George," uh, gives you a model kit. Um, yeah, he's like, "Here's the glue, and here's the like." <laughs> yeah, here's, like your, here's your here's your here's your grog and here's your model kit. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, that you're, I, I would say that's actually accurate. That's a very good point. It did kind of reel me back into the movie because I didn't know what it could be and what they were trying to make until 
that point or that certainly highlighted it for me yeah um yeah yeah were yeah, you yeah. shocked Derek then by the out the scene that came after that where the kid because i was pretty shocked by this but the scene where the kid commit suicide holding on to the cannonball well he wasn't i mean he was 30 so i don't know that you're gonna like poor little innocent timmy uh <laughs> he as soon as he got onto that deck he was a goner he took off his hat placed it on the deck i was like ah oh, that's a shame poor holloway um i just thought there was a weird way to i didn't i honestly i don't think that that would work to commit suicide i don't think it would i think that'd be a really hard way to die um i mean i don't i don't think it would be easy but what's he gonna do yeah i guess he could have shot himself because but... yeah because the other thing it's like i think that your body's your body's like defense mechanism against that is like your body doesn't want to die even if you want to die up here so yeah. you would be as soon as you like were underwater and you're holding on to that cannonball and it may make you sink faster but there's going to be an instinct to let go of that cannonball and then you're going to shoot for the surface so i think but there is a limit to how quickly you can shoot mm-hmm. so i think that if he if he jumped off i think that's killing him i don't think he's making it back up okay which is interesting because he drowned much like Holloway. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm calling them both Holloway. We'll go with a guy who should have been played by Heath Ledger, who fell off the mast. And um, this dude, who I kept confusing with the actor who played Pippin in um, Lord of the Lord Rings. Of the Rings. Yeah. So, <laughs> so him, 30-year-old, young boy, 30-year-old, and Heath Ledger both died the same way. Uh, yeah, he was drowning. Been a great I, cast in this I movie. thought that was that was probably intentional recompense. I could totally see Heath Ledger. Let's get Mel Gibson in this too. Let's just get the whole yeah. cast of the Patriot in this movie also. <laughs> Merge them together into yeah. just one epic, epic movie. Into you get you get me Jason Isaacs in a movie, and I'll watch it. I don't care yeah. what it is. The Patriot has some Love cool. That that's a cool movie. That this movie could have used some Patriot action scenes for sure. Where they're like, I, so I was actually there. thinking about that um, because the Patriot came out around the same time as a Perfect Storm, but a Perfect Storm blew it out of the water. You know, we keep saying puns, uh, and I'm going to keep skirting over them just just <laughs> to point that out because we've we've said a lot. Um, and I was thinking it's interesting because this almost tried to bridge that gap between the Patriot and its, you know, myriad action scenes and Perfect Storm with just talking about boats and tuna. Like, that's all the, the Perfect Storm was. And then they're like, a wave. And the movie's over. Um, spoilers. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> Bad. They just get hit by a wave and the movie ends. Like it doesn't. Yeah, it's very, it's very enigmatic. You really don't know what happens. Ben Affleck doesn't get back to his. I'm assuming ben, ben Affleck, Affleck isn't in that movie. It's Mark Wahlberg. I'm just assuming Ben Affleck's in out of nowhere. Mark Wahlberg was in that movie. So freaking strange. <laughs> like this really good movie, and it's just like ah, it's Mark Wahlberg. Does it have Casey? Affleck I guess he in did it? Boogie Nights. Huh? Does it have Casey Affleck in it? I don't know. Probably, if if not, they were probably like dressed in a tuna suit, and they were like, "I just yeah, want to do a project." And then they he was on a shortlist for a tuna them. suit. They're like, yeah. "We couldn't get him for we couldn't get Casey Affleck for the tuna suit." Yeah, <laughs> not really a one size fits all costume, anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, so to go back to uh, to go back to not Perfect Storm, but Master and Commander. Um, 
I I really liked that scene a lot. I really liked the suicide scene afterwards. One of the one of the gripes that I actually wrote down that I was having with the movie was their appreciation of death. And I thought there was going to be this big speech by Russell Crowe who would have been cuz remember he whipped a dude for not showing that guy respect. Yeah. Right? I forgot about that scene. The dude dies and he's just like well, there's some wind. <laughs> he was just like, oh, man, I hope we get forgiven by God. It's windy. Let's go. And then everybody's cheering. And I was like, man, there's like this really heartfelt scene where he's like reaching out to the one-armed eight-year-old battalion commander. He's saying thank you for being nice to me. Then he goes and he kills himself. And there's this really cool shot of him sinking and i was really sad because the dude had a panic attack right beforehand and then they're just like nah that's uh, we get now no <laughs> yeah men don't have emotions we're gonna move on right this is uh yeah, the wind I, is uh well it wasn't last. it wasn't even i see because i wasn't getting getting any of these like stoic uh notes that you were getting from the movie so i just thought it was like a navy thing that's kind of what i was mm. getting so that my movie who who's who's your movie date who's your movie because there weren't any female cast members outside of the brazilian maria who i wanted to <laughs> russell crowe to end up with i guess um <laughs> who is your movie date i like the uh i like to go on the date with the captain guy who's like you seem like he was too old to be there which he's one ca- well like you know like, like they'd be in like the cabin together there's that one guy that's just old he's like way older than everybody the lobotomy dude? <laughs> you go, go out with the lobotomy kid. dude? Let's go on the date with the lobotomy guy. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, lobotomy guy? No, the guy, he's like, he's like a, I think it's the same guy who shoots Paul Bettany. I think it's the guy who shoots him. I think the the other captain Oh, the guy. red jacket guy? Yeah. Or is it, is it the, one of the funniest scenes of the whole movie? So they they do the to kind of jump forward in the movie a little bit. They they board the French ship at the end. Spoilers again. They catch up to it because of a stick. Um, they board it, and all of the French people are not making noise on the on the deck. And me, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "You just made your entire plot to take this French ship." out of duplicity you are going to disguise yourself as something vulnerable and take them by surprise when you when they're in within your reach and you're not going to check any of the bodies like for <laughs> me and granted i wasn't born in 1805 um as soon as i get on the st- ship i'm stabbing people Hundred percent. That guy stabbed. That guy stabbed. Oh, you're talking about like looks like he's alive. You're double tapping everybody that's down on the boat. Every single person, because yeah. I got a, I got a knife that can cut off a little boy's arm with no pain at all. So <laughs> I'm stabbing everyone with that thing. And it was just so weird. So then the dude who I think you're talking, kind of rotund fellow. Yes. Yeah. And he goes, "Looks like the job's already done." Right. <laughs> Shot in the head. <laughs> It's the most accurate shot in the entire film. He's so and fun. And right he's when like, the whole the crew. Most, yeah, he's like the one. He's like the guy who like drinks the most and like eats the most pudding. He's like the first guy to like give up when things start getting hard. <laughs> yeah, funny. he was the real Jonah. Um, he <laughs> yeah. was. 
he would either be because I know one of the questions that kind of we kind of go over with is if you had to be like one character who only had one line. I couldn't remember if that guy had more lines. It would either be him or the dude who was basically Hodor. <laughs> who like was holding the mirror and holding the plates and holding the doctor. Uh, it would it would be one of those two because. I think that would be so fun to be goofy. Yeah. It was a silly, one of the silliest scenes of the movie, him just being like, looks like we are already finished. And then he just dies. And that's very funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that guy. Yeah. So that's your, that's your movie. That's one, of, that's one of them. Um, yeah. I would, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to with the boy that had no arm. Like, I just make it weird. Yeah, creepy. I was going to say, because of classism, you can't really say half the cast. Yeah, I'm like, it's... Uh... Um, Mine is hundred percent Paul Bettany, hundred yeah, percent. I really dig, than ever. I really dig Russell Crowe in this movie. I'd probably go on a date with him with his hair and his and his like I, his you know, violin and his you know. He was interesting, but he was <sighs> he was a little too stoic. So when I was watching him, I, and I understand why he would be. That's not a complaint. Yeah, That's he's the captain. He of, has to be, right? He's the guy who has to keep exactly. it together. Exactly. Like, it makes sense for his character. I'm glad they have it. I'm glad that they wrote in the doctor as his friend and counterbalance to his military first mm-hmm. um, philosophies. But I wouldn't go on a date with him. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um like the the supervillain who hijacks uh, the the telecom company in a in a Bond movie makes sense for the film, but I don't like that's not somebody I want to be in a book club with. So well, it's just, I Russell, wasn't. You don't remember like Russell Crowe's the scene where he's like he tells stories. They're like regale us uh-huh. with stories of the of the olden times, and he's like, uh-huh. yes, my lad, and he takes him into like some old ship story that he served to somebody and he has like, uh-huh. so I was, I'm just imagining being on a date with Russell Crowe and I'm yeah. lost in his hair and maybe his eyes. I was going to say, you're just in love with his hair, which is totally understandable. I'm, <laughs> I'm in love with Paul Bettany's personality and his dreamy eyes. This is like the only role that he's been in where I was like, oh, he has really nice eyes. Yeah. And he actually gets to like do stuff. Like you still, you don't see him a lot in doing Especially now that he's in all the Avengers movies and stuff, he just plays Vision. That he's like, yeah, he that's gets, a shame that he has like such really a minor role. Yeah, I feel like he's like really underutilized in, in the Marvel films, but yeah, and including the TV show. Um, I mean, he, he does a he kills it in every single role he's in. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorites was uh, Knight's Tale. Is that the one where the he plays the um, Heath Ledger and they're like, and they yeah, he's he's like the Joust, his emissary. He like goes before and he's like, oh, Lord Von uh, Rothstein or, or something. What, what's his name? Von Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. Um, Ulrich Von Lichtenstein. Was that his name? <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was something like that. I don't know. But it was he was really, really good in that movie. I think he was Priest was just like a fun movie. Um, but most this is a movie that I recognized his eyes. So by that logic, I'm going to date him. I have not seen priest. I would, I should absolutely, I, I want to, now I'm going to, I'm going to sidebar that and just, I will watch that another time. Uh, but yeah, those are my two. The, the, the big white fat guy. Then the uh-huh. Russell Crowe. I'll go with Russell Crowe. I didn't think of that ahead of time, but Russell, 
Rose Quill for sure. It's he had the best hair, and he was the he was the strongest. You know what? I'm kind of starting to unpack this. You got a thing for strong men in leadership positions with yeah, good he hair. Yeah, uh, he could teach me how to use the um, what's it called? The sextant. The uh, the weird. It's like the earliest version of the iPhone, <laughs> like, like a compass, <laughs> yeah. but with like a, also yeah. a magnifying glass, and also probably like you know, yeah, rockets are in you there. Got it's it, also you a got musical. Siri. Yeah, is it also a musical instrument? I'm just assuming that it's like five things. It's like a sex, no, it's for like telling what time it was, huh? What the, what the, what is that called? Is it a sextant? <laughs> a sextant. Sextant. Yeah. Okay. Where you're, you you hold it up to the sun and you're like, let me look at the sun. Yeah. It was 1805. You want to understand? Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was ugh. just remembering that dude getting shot in the forehead. So freaking goofy. You know what uh, we didn't see in this movie? It's like I was waiting for somebody to be like, the world is flat. <laughs> We're going to fall off the edge of the world. Wait, nobody talked about it. Yet. Was that well established the world was not flat by that time? I mean, yeah. Uh, and I don't think people in the Navy were thinking like that. <laughs> I don't think you're like, man. The world ends at a certain point in the ocean. Better join the Navy. There had to be a guy like in 1800s, like Alex Jones, that were like, the world is flat. Like, that's like, for sure. There was like a guy that was like that. He had like his frilly. That was the cool. His frilly. That was the cool thing is like, you didn't have that. There wasn't a way for them to have an audience because they would just be yelling on top of a box in like a square. Mm -hmm. And there would be like 20 people around and they're just like oh, oh, no, the queen the queen and just kind of like listening to maybe have like a pamphlet that he had money to print and he'd hand it out yeah it was like something like that but you want to i don't think you have crazy people yeah which made um which made lobotomy dude very strange to me because you would think that everybody would be saying but i mean you know I guess they were all going a little crazy. He's a he's got a captive audience for one, and then he's talking to the other sailors who I think are dumb. They're just dumb people. They don't really have a lot yeah. of education. This is like this is their job. They're getting paid enough to be in the military. It's enough to like for like a living wage. And they're just, they're just they probably didn't know where the Galapagos were and <laughs> in the 18, early eighteen hundreds. Everybody knew that. Uh, oh, I forgot. So the scene that I also really liked, and I didn't think I uh -huh. thought this was like one of the most practical scenes in the movie. Um, I like the scene where they practiced shooting the cannonballs. The um, training montage? Yeah, I thought that was really yeah. cool because it was like, all right, we got it to be this time, last time, let's see if we can beat that time. And I, I, I just was assuming that they, you know, I never thought that they would train with that, but it makes total sense that they would train and that they would yeah. have training um, for cannons and speed and all that. Like you just... You just never really think about that as like I I liked that I I can see why you like it and that's a good point. Um, I liked it and I didn't like it because it did the thing that movies do because it's you know it's exciting and everything. But he was like, okay, let, run run a trial and everybody ran the trial and he was like, oh, what's the number? And he was like, two minutes twenty seconds. And he was like, I know what to do about this time for a speech. And he's like, but they quit the queen. And they were like, yeah. yeah. And then magically they were like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> they cut their time by half. Like imagine if you could do that in a car race or a football game. 
and you were just like, up, oh, time for a speech, and then they're just good. Um, <laughs> Dude, the Mighty Ducks do that all the time. Like, that's very much a movie thing. Like, we yeah, should have that, yeah, where it's yeah, like, yeah. we have a speech before our podcast, and then we just immediately have, like, thousands of listeners or whatever. There was, this, uh, there was this one... There was a water polo tournament where my coach was uh, talking to the referee with the captain. I was a freshman at the time, and I gave the goofiest freaking speech. I can't even remember how we did. I just remember giving this speech to all these you know, guys who were way older than me and way more experienced in polo. And it was this totally made-up thing about the only thing I remember from it was how I was saying, we're just a ragtag group of misfits from the wrong side of the tracks with everything to give and nothing to lose. And it was, <laughs> it, it was a, it was a very silly speech, but everybody seemed to be really into it. So that was good. I was going to ask before you told that, I was like, please tell me you mentioned at some point in your speech, you mentioned Elysium. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. You find yourselves in Elysium. <laughs> was that the line from a, uh, Gladiator. gladiator he's like your or troubles are over something. because you're dead or whatever it's like yeah it's like if you find <sighs> so yourselves cool. in rows of uh of wheat he's like do not trouble yourself because you're in elysium and you're already dead <laughs> like, all of, so all of russell crowe's jokes because thinking about that speech that he gave at the start of gladiator mm-hmm and thinking about all of his jokes that he told in this movie, I don't think he's a funny guy. He's terrifying. Every single time, I just feel like he's he's one of those guys who, like, like he'll make a joke, and he'll stare at you wide-eyed, laughing, and you're just like, my only choice here is to laugh. Whether I want to or not, I'm laughing because I'm terrified. Yeah, he laughs at things that are not funny. Like, he was like, the scene in Gladiator where he's like, he's like, when I met Marcus Aurelius, and he's like, oh, you knew Marcus Aurelius? <laughs> he has this very, like, highbrow, upper-class condescending. Uh, see, I feel like it's a forced, aggressive, intimidating laugh. <laughs> uh, kind of like, do you remember you were playing the video game Fable, and you can, like, have a fake uh-huh. laugh that, like, scared people? You press that button, he goes, ha, 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 and it freak people out. Yeah, it would be something like that. I yeah, could, yeah that, uh, was, that was him. But there was a scene in this where he has humor. Uh, there's a scene where um, they bring him. Say, they bring, they bring not the two weevils. No, they bring Paul Bettany back to the Galapagos. And he's like, uh-huh. you know, they, they take him back to get worked on. And Paul Bettany's like, I don't think I could ever repay you for this. And he's like, just name like a shrub after me. And he's like, just make sure that it's like prickly and has a hard time dying or something like that hard to kill yeah um and then that i laughed at that that was a funny line he delivered that pretty well oh yeah i'm not like lamenting his performance it's uh (laughs) his energy is terrifying to me i mean do you want him to have like uh because he's a captain like do you want him to be like doing like your mom jokes like (laughs) no so there is something to this actually one of the best parts about uh james gandolfini's portrayal of tony soprano this is to the credit of the writing directing and uh acting he's got jokes he's funny he's funny he has a very good sense of humor like he's very funny and that made his character so good because it added to the reasons that you had to like him and it added to his charisma with um, he wouldn't just be you wouldn't just want to see him as, 
you know, this capo, is that what they call him? Um, but like this this crime lord who's like intimidating everyone all the time because that would get totally exhausting. I thought capo was like, like, just oh, sidebar, sorry. How to, is this guy alive? Yeah. I thought capo was like your, uh, like a level, second in command. Like a level down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. I'm sorry. I t- it's been a while since I've been in the mafia. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you're, you're correct. So he would be, you know, the. you call him boss the don right? he's the don don he's sure don. so um one of the cool things that they did with his character was give him a sense of humor and one of the weird things that they did in this movie was have other people pretend that he had a sense of humor mm. i don't know well I, I think in a mafia film like a uh, mafia they have it's it's they're called wise guys. It's like they're they're schmucks. Like they got like uh, you know, um, they're always making jokes. Like all those movies are like it's kind of like a mob thing to like have a sense of humor while you shoot somebody. You know, like uh, Joe Pesci is like brilliant at doing that. Um, but he wasn't funny. Ray Liotta wasn't funny. Um, even in The Sopranos, like Paulie wasn't particularly funny intentionally. Yeah. Uh, Sill definitely wasn't funny. So I think it's um. I don't I think, think it's like, like wise guys thing. Calm. I don't know. I think that like the idea of like the sarcastic quip is a very like mafia thing. Mm, could be, but uh... but yeah, I didn't I didn't think it's humor really. really <laughs> one one thing I did want to talk about um, because we kind of got sidetracked talking about the under uh, below deck scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know who on earth did the camera work in this movie. I don't know who was behind those giant things. But whoever it was should be given awards because mm-hmm. it's similar to, um, you know, the long shots in Evil Dead where they're just legit chasing Bruce Campbell through an old house. And it's it's just like somehow they're not running into things 80 times and it's it's a one shot. Yeah. Um, this movie had a similar vibe where I was like during the canon practice, for instance, I was like, oh, my God, like they, the cameras are doing some work here and it's not always a split set yeah it's not like oh we've got half a boat and that's why you can always use the cameras it's it's really good camera work i think yeah this movie is amazing it's like the the scope of the cinematography is equal Uh to like the scope of this of the storytelling they're like they're like equally epic It, it just they really have been able to capture like i felt like i was on that boat with them like you know like it's just that they really are able to and it's a beautifully shot movie. Like, I don't know. I really enjoyed the production of it. Um, oh, yeah. I just, I'm like, yeah. I want them to make more movies like this. But they now we have, like, you know, TV that kind of does it. Like, Game of Thrones kind of scratches that itch for a lot of people. But I we don't uh-huh. see we don't see a lot of epic movies like that anymore. They just don't really make a Braveheart, a Gladiator. Uh, like, you know. They're... it's because we're like kind of this weird time in movies where the business side of it, I think is sitting at the forefront a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. And you, I don't know if it's getting older or if it's because the landscape is changing or because the internet's around and we're very aware of movie budgets or because it's easier to make movies than ever before. But those movies just, they just don't sell because it's a one-off. It's like yeah, you can't turn it into a sequel. Like I can imagine. Yeah, 
Master and Commander to other side of the world. Now it's turning into parts of the Caribbean, right? Um, the, the near side of the world. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> We're going to about, about the other side of San Diego. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very much not hyper marketable. I don't even know how well this movie did. Actually, gonna, oh, I don't know. You could find that on Wikipedia. I'm looking, looking. While you look that up, I will uh, bring up another thing. So, hold on, let me. Um, so, what, um, as we come to the end of this, uh, since we've already talked about like um, favorite lines and like uh, movie moments and stuff, um, what do you think was like missing from the movie? Like, what do you think was like on the cutting room floor? Like, what do you think got like edited out of this movie? And I could, I could tell you uh. mine. Um, if you like, if that'll help you out. I wanted more scenes with the other kid who had two arms. Um, because he, when I saw him, spoilers, uh, die at the end of it, I was just like, all right. He was given, I don't know anything about this kid other than he's like a really promising cadet type character. Mm. And he's supposed to be part of the next generation. Um, additionally, I don't know where the ending came from because that was such a freaking like Duke's a hazard ending where they were just like, Haha, let's go catch up with them because they stole our car. Yeah. And then it's like a freeze frame <laughs> with them chasing after him. And I was like, this is a really intense brooding Navy movie. Why are you ending it like an episode of a USA comedy show <laughs> yeah they just saw it randomly on the beach and they're like wow, wow, wow. so i kind of wish that had actually been cut uh yeah. because it totally shifted tone at the last second and that was really really freaking weird um and then yeah just more with the more with the two-armed boy yeah because they, they Paul Bettany gets shot, and then like a scene later, he's like swashbuckling. You're like, that was a quick turnaround. Did you just have like a Red Bull on on the ship? You, like, <laughs> that that was of... actually um, talking about movie moments. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. What was your cutting room? So I really wanted to see Russell Crowe. I'm glad they didn't because it, it it leaves the movie in this kind of like. Um, Are you about to say you wanted them to show you Russell Crowe doing his hair? No. Because <laughs> you got to keep it in your pants, Paul. It's ambiguous. I wanted to see the way that the, the, the I like that ending of the movie because it was ambiguous. You don't know if it worked out or not for the ship that sailed away. But I wanted to see them go back and give it to that captain of the French ship that like tricked them. I wanted that to pay off. Um, there's part of me that wants, to, I would wanted the movie to be like an extra 20, 30 minutes to where I could see that payoff and it would make the movie drag. But at this point we're already in like an epic battle sea ship thing. The movie was already yeah. long. So, I mean, what's another 20 minutes at this point. Right. Um, yeah. so I wanted to see him do that and have that payoff. That would have been, um, cause I didn't like that the, the French got one over on them and that was like. Uh, well, it was just silly. Like, tonally, it was so silly and so goofy. And it's like, what the heck? Yeah, because he was like, he gave you a you sword. Just you just had a funeral. Like, you literally just had a funeral where Russell Crowe was like, and the young boy who I'll give his middle name to because I care about him, I guess. 
Um, the wind. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where's the Where's the wind? Is it winding today? Um, and then they were just like, "Hey, guy from Cloud Atlas, uh, you get to take command of the Acheron that's missing its main mast. Uh, good luck with that." I think. So what they could have done to kind of build on what you and I were both saying, um, don't have the swashbuckling scene mm-hmm. in that. Instead, have massive catastrophe and casualties. Uh, they break the mast. They kill all the crew. That dude doesn't get his giant line where it's like, I guess a job's been done. We don't get to see that, unfortunately. <laughs> so probably deduct a whole point from the movie's overall IMDb rating, but you have them board the ship later and they board it and they have to swashbuckle under uh, below decks. Yeah. As the ship is sinking. Cause that was down. just, that was just goofy where it's like you, it's a very serious movie and to end it with him going, Oh, those darn French will get them. Is just, <laughs> yeah. The way they introduced the captain, he's like, we, we, I am these ships. Uh, I am the chef, and here the captain would like you to have the sword. And he's like, "Oh, I guess you're not the captain. Thanks, dude." And then you just and then yeah. you just go back to what they were doing. <laughs> like, and you have this really like long shot of him staring at the captain, looking at his foe, and then you undermine that later. I yeah, I would actually take a scene away from the movie. Yeah, where, well, I wanted um, to go back and kill that guy. He was like, "We, I am not the, I am not the chef. I am the captain, and I have killed your." Oh, it would have been so funny if like that dude was the captain, and he just like stabbed him to be sure. <laughs> he was like, "You guys just." You guys just pulled one over on us, and this isn't happening again. And the like, the doctor's over the captain. He just uses his sword. To stab him. It's like a quick shot to his go. neck, and he's just like, Ugh. all right. What yeah. was your What was your movie moment? Oh, there's like quite a few. This movie had a lot. Um, I was shocked at the number of movie moments there were because yeah. the whole they weren't until the end, and the whole time I was like. Oh, this is a grounded movie. What's my movie moment? Oh, it's got to be him performing surgery on himself. I guess that's what I'm going to go for. But uh, what, what was it? What was it? I was surprised. Uh, yeah, there was quite a few. Um, the scene where he they make the fake little boat that like they think is the real boat. And the, the enemy ship follows really? that little tiny boat thing. I was like, that was... I thought that was really cool. I thought that was dumb. Because um, they have... Oh, I thought that was so cool. Because on the French ships, they would also have magnifying glasses too. They all have those... But like, it was the dead of night. Those look things. They would all... Uh, maybe. I don't dead know. Dead of night. Um, and their cell, they couldn't use their cell phone flashlights because they had the same battery. <laughs> um, that seemed a little parts of the caribbean to me. So that was something uh-huh. that I was like, eh... Um, I, I mean, I already mentioned the scene where he's, they find the ship and it just happens to be sitting in the same area that they were like vacationing in. Thought that was done. Uh-huh. Um, the fact that like Russell Crowe could like board that ship and like never get stabbed or like injured or anything like the fact that they, they all pretty did. much look pretty out of shape. They can all like, you know, swashbuckle with the best of them. Um, uh-huh. so yeah, there's quite a few, like, just like they're all mainly toward the end of the movie. Uh, I think yeah. most of them where they had to, where, where like one of the producers was like, 
nobody's going to want to finish this movie. We need to have something blow up. <laughs> yeah, and, and they were like, yeah, okay. It was a boarding party. Sure. Like the test um, audience was like huh? all asleep. And they're like, we need to fix this pronto. And they're like explosions. Yeah, yeah. We need some kind of fight. They're like, all right. They just set off a fake explosion in the room. And they're like, whoa, we're <laughs> up. Um, like a so my movie, my movie moment with all, all of that considered, because those are all those are all valid. I think the Galapagos, them seeing the French ship makes sense because they were there for a while. They beat them there and they knew that they were going to go there. Right. So they had been to the Galapagos. They picked up the ship. And I think that what had been happening was the Acheron was like kind of trolling around there, going after whalers because it was trying to capture a whole bunch of ships uh, for for Queen and Country. But the big movie moment for me was when Russell Crowe. How dare you? <laughs> oh, it's so freaking silly. It's so silly. No, it's nothing Russell Crowe does. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's nothing that like the actor does where he was just like, oh, I think I should do this. And they were like, yeah, okay, don't beat us up. It was um, when the little eight-year-old one-armed boy with no experience that spent his entire time talking about bugs with the the kind of pouty doctor, him, Russell Crowe's like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't be on the boarding party. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense. You probably just saved his life. You probably just saved everybody else's life. Everybody, when you talked about the blue-eyed guy with two arms, he's like 16 or something. They were like, oh, he's so young. And he's like, hey, it'll be an opportunity. Um let me take the guy that's half his age with half of his appendages. You're in, tar- you're in charge of the ship. He's like, what? And I was just like, you did that because the kid was sad? So the kid was like, oh, I can't be on the boarding party, Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe was like, you can have the whole ship, little Timmy. And I was like, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. This doesn't make any sense. Also, this guy's always going on about duty and safety and all of this stuff. And he's giving his ship to an eight year old with one arm. Right. And then more to my point about earlier, how all the other sailors have to hate those officers. They're like, okay, here's a tech startup. And now the the son is the CEO. Like that's basically what is happening there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, But like like with a systematic thing, like classism like that, I don't necessarily think that it's unheard of enough. It might even be in a position where their backgrounds are so different. So like little, the 16 year old two arm, I'm just going to call him the two arm boy. Um, when the two arm boy takes control, I'm assuming they're just like, Oh, he went to officer school. Like he has been, groomed for this right so what doesn't make sense is the little eight-year-old who's also in officer school he's in officer school too he has he has half a body (laughs) you know why did they not why did they not replace his arm with a sweet hook why couldn't they probably they probably um Threw it overboard when they were trying to catch the French ship. Yeah, just like a sweet hook. Like, just get him a hook. Remember when they were running from it and they were like, get get rid of all the the barrels, all the this, all that. Or maybe that's when they were saving Heath Ledger. But at one point they were losing a bunch of weight on the ship. That was also a dumb movie moment too. Where they like the big storm scene. 
Yeah. That was definitely like a, a I feel like a professional ship would have fit that figured out way faster. They're like, we're not going to swim in the, we're not going to sail into the squall. Like that would, that just seems stupid. No, but it's, it's the far side of the world. Yeah. It's different. <laughs> You had to say the subtitle of the movie. Yeah. I do wish that he had said that. He had been like, you know, actually, didn't he say the far side of the world at some point? (laughs) Well, he can't call it Master Commander Galapagos. Oh, that would have been a way better subtitle. (laughs) I would have seen it. That could be a prequel or a sequel. Oh, a sequel, yeah. Oh, here's a scene I would like to see. Uh, Paul Bettany makes it to the Galapagos. He picks up like a bug or a spider and it bites him and he <laughs> gets so poisoned he dies. <laughs> 100% when he picked up that beetle, when he found the, the bird that didn't have the wings, which was very right before he saw the, the French uh, galleon, he, um, or the French, whatever it's called, um, he runs to the top. He sees the bird. This is his entire life. He just, all he wanted to do was see that flightless bird. He gets up there. He sees it. It runs away. And he gets distracted by a beetle that he owns. Yeah. A little silly. But whenever he like caught that with his hand and he opened his hand, 100% I thought I was going to see a bright color and a venomous insect and Paul Bettany dying. Dude, that's I would have loved to see that scene. He's just like, what happened? He's like, well, he just uh, science and now he's dead. Yeah, and, he uh, operated on himself, but you know, he couldn't operate his way out of the Galapagos. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like some kind of little tiny black widow thing. It's just like, and just like, yep. All right. Clear the whole boat. Kill this spider. It, it was it w- I kept thinking after he got shot I was like oh god they only have one doctor like they really only have one doctor cuz you were you were talking about this earlier um the like the cleanliness of the boat and everything and the lack of medical supplies and painkillers and everything um I, that was a very I was thinking about that a lot whenever he took the tip of that spoon to take out some of that guy's brain and I was like because I'm kind of a germaphobe. Um, I was like, oh, that mat doesn't look very clean. I wonder what he's doing with that spoon. And then he <laughs> stuck it into the guy's brain. And I was like, oh. I did like, so I, I forgot about that scene though, where they all watched him. They're all like, yeah. I hey, what fun. are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought that was, re- I thought that was really fun. I thought it was cool how he had to move into the area that was lit to properly see and you know, to his credit, he pulled it off. Way to go, Paul Bettany! Yeah, I wouldn't mind a sequel to this movie. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, I guess so. It, they'd probably it was make like it produced way by like if it was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. I would be a hundred percent on board with a sequel to this movie. So <laughs> yeah, give me give me a Martin Scorsese one where they have an accent for like sixty percent of the movie and everybody drops it by the end. Oh that's, yeah, that's what I'll take. Yeah, a lot more like and it's swearing. just about the French, huh? A lot more like swearing. Yeah, yeah, and you cast it. Uh, you know, a lot of people say retarded. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, that flightless bird is retarded. <laughs> so horrible. But that's what they would be doing. It's Martin Scorsese. That's what they'd be doing. Um, that is his most famous attribute as a filmmaker. <laughs> if 
Martin Scorsese directed this movie. Uh, would it? Uh, would they be they be doing like cocaine on the deck? That would be ridiculous. Hundred percent, and and gruel. Frog? Can you imagine like Joe, uh, Joe Pesci in this movie, like trying to wear that hat? All right, let's just swap real quick. Just swap Russell Crowe with Joe Pesci for Joe Pesci. Yeah, they they probably go to a lot of the same auditions. So he's pretty like... thrilling. Um, oh, so uh, I do have a number for you, which is very interesting, and is makes me very. Um, I feel very justified in having it on this uh, podcast. The gross, the global gross. So this includes domestic and what it it uh, made on the far side of the world. <laughs> I was waiting for that yeah, joke. I, I knew you were going to say. Yeah, it. I yeah, like, really, right. really had that one in the chamber. I was like, all right, I knew um, that was coming. Uh, Two hundred twelve million dollars is what it grossed. Wow, it cost one hundred fifty million. Wow, so it made money. Yeah, but like if it's if it's globally making not that much, it had to be the razor thin margin, like razor thin because of the like yeah. ad advertising and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. it had to be like the margin of profit on this movie is probably like razor thin. I guarantee everything was set design. Yeah. Everything had to be set design because I don't like. I mean. Yeah, uh, Russell Crowe is probably costing you a lot of money. Russell Crowe's ponytail probably costing you a little bit of pocket change. Everybody else is more or less not commanding that much of a budget. Um, it's not from like, it's not like there were a lot of impractical effects. So I don't think, I think set design took everything. It, it had to have been insane yeah. because it was, a, the set design was outrageously good. And you probably have to pay all those extras, right? Because there's a ton of sailors and a ton of like, you know, just people on the ship that were like, didn't talk, that didn't have speaking roles. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, like, but you have like 200 people. Yeah. Maybe over the course of the film, because you can get kind of creative with your angles. I, I would. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe extras were a, a good chunk of change. Maybe you throw like a million dollars for extras over the course did of the thing. Have a, I was like, did they do the casting call in the Galapagos? We missed. We could have been in this movie. <laughs> I know, but they filmed it in an 1805. What are you What are you gonna do? <laughs> I could have been. I could have been a star. Uh, that was the thing I was yeah. going to ask. www.theinternet's not around. I forgot. Yet, I was going to so, ask you something, um, and I was like, uh, oh. Uh, so before before we go, I'll get out on this one. I was like, "What? Who would be your one and done if you're going to be in this movie? What would be the role that you'd want to play?" Oh, yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier. Either my answer, because I didn't get your answer, my answer was either "Oh, job's already done," uh, headshot guy, or Hodor, the dude who was running with the doctor on his back, carrying the big plate of the Galapagos. Or holding the mirror for the doctor. I forgot about that. His guy. name was like Pele or something. P- Poloy. Poloy. It was probably Holloway. That was Holloway the whole time. Not any of the other people I called Holloway. <laughs> What's Holloway's last name again? Lichten. Poloy. Oh, it was like Holloway Poloy. No, I don't. That's not a character. <laughs> this one, that's a character. Uh, who, who's yours? Who's your one and done? Um, I got two. I would like to be the guy who's like their backup doctor. 
It's like, oh, he was great. It's like, he was great. He's like freaking out. He's like, I'm gonna have to really study these books. It's like, plus I got really. Oh, you know, my head so was funny like, because, like, I don't know how you're on a navy ship with a doctor who's constantly doing surgeries. How do you not get that? Yeah. Like, how do you? And the friendship lost their doctor. You'll remember they they were uh, they were talking about yeah that, that the friendship lost lost their doctor. How did so they know that though? Like very... that was the thing that I didn't understand. Is like did they send a raven? Like what happened? Like how do they know that? Um, probably uh, uh Google search. <laughs> Stay internet. Um, I would imagine it was part of like a ship's log or just what he learned from talking to the crew that they had captured mm. or something, who were. Thank God all the French spoke English. Right? Yeah. Uh, when they okay. were yelling and they thought they thought it was a whaler. It was so silly. But, uh, okay, backup doctor, who's the other Backup one? doctor. And then I always loved, I think these guys were like the funniest guys in the movie. It made me laugh every time they came on screen. So every time they would go, they would cut to these, like Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany would start playing violin and the cello. And then they would cut to these two guys in the kitchen and they would just be uh-huh. rolling their eyes and like, uh, yeah. everything he plays is such a bummer. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah, it was yeah, almost yeah. like, really it felt like, like Castor and Waldorf, like the two old guys from the Muppets. Like that's what that felt like. Uh-huh. Talking, they, oh gosh. You're so right. You never oh, saw him in so any right. other point of the movie. And they're always just like, uh, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that was very good. That was very good. I could, I thought that was Hodor. I could never tell. I don't know what Hodor's, role was on the ship but i have a problem i confuse everybody with everybody yeah they all did multiple hats right sure in multiple directions um (laughs) i think the only thing that i who who were the most memorable characters for me oh there was one of the dudes um one of the only black guys in the whole movie but he was in that scene below decks where he was um where the guy was like Holloway, <laughs> character Holloway. You're talking about uh, Slave Extra One, yeah, dude. There's... No, I know. I, I actually don't know. Um, there's a black guy that had lines. No, 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 no. But it didn't seem like there was a slave dynamic in the movie. I'm not really sure. Um, but he was sewing oh. underneath the deck. I loved that, and uh, I know I, yeah. that. Do you, do you remember that? So everybody else is doing the little salute mm-hmm. in a real, like, a intimidating way. And the dude's just sewing at him. And I've never seen that in my life. I love the actor who did it because I guarantee nobody was like, you need to be sewing aggressively at this guy. That's crazy. I know that they were just like, oh, you need to salute. And he was like, nah, I'm sewing at this guy. Yeah. And I love I love him for that. I need to look that guy. Uh, I'll touch really quickly on what you, you mentioned, the uh, the slave dynamic of the, of the ship. Um from what I can understand, from what I saw in the movie, it looked like there was like an underclass of folks that like you know did the thing. But it, what I to the movies like credit like they didn't focus on it really at all, and it also kind of made them seem all like equals because I think in that ship like they're all kind of in it together. And what I liked about that was like Russell Crowe had no problem going below deck and like being yeah. in that gross pit with them. You know, like especially when yeah. the ship get like would get like hit. 
And well, that's where he came from. Yeah. So it, I felt like that movie did a really good job of kind of showing that everybody was kind of like brothers on the ship. You know, like we're kind of like yeah. one for all kind of thing. And like, uh, yeah. especially when the ship like got damaged and they were, it was all in their best interest to like repair that ship, especially if it was yeah. leaking or something and they had to like control the damage of the leaking and all that. So um, I'm sure like in real life, there probably was some kind of dynamic with that. But again, like, I think the movie was pretty realistic in the way of like, after a second, like, I think a lot of that would go out the window because you're in it for survival, right? You're there and you're all putting in the work so we can survive to the next day. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. you know, titles, like we're sinking. It doesn't matter who holds the bucket. Yeah. Like okay. titles don't really matter at a certain point. You're like, whether you're right. a slave or you're the captain, we're all going to die. Right. So we need us to like, well, I don't know. I don't know what the slave dynamic would, would have been like, because my knowledge of history freaking sucks. Mm. Um, so I don't know what it would have been uh, in the Navy at that time, but um, something that like to add on to what you were saying, having Russell Crowe, carve his initials on part of the i guess it was the surprise is the name of the boat um so lame was such a good touch mm-hmm. because he it was his home yeah you know and everybody was in his home and i like that there wasn't ever a mutiny even though paul bettany was like you know the the other voice on the ship saying you need to look out for this. You need to think about what you're doing. People are going to doubt you. You're not lucky Jack or surprise Jack or happy Jack or Holloway Jack or whatever they were calling him. I like that they were saying, we trust you. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool because this is your home. Um, so that that was very good. Uh, before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you what, okay, so if they did have internet on the ship, what do you think yeah. the Wi-Fi password would be? Honestly, given the complete lack of sense of humor as it, that any of them had, no one was freaking funny on that whole thing. <laughs> it would probably be like, like mast eighteen oh five. Or it would have been HMS Surprise or Queen and Country 01 or something, something super generic. Like it wouldn't have been like, where's the gruel or anything funny, you know, Holloway, just Holloway 99. Like it would have, it would have just been something generic like that. This this movie's a lot of things, but funny is not one of them. (laughs) All right, um, I'll wrap it up here. For okay, so that does it for Funderated. We uh, reviewed the uh, the movie uh, Master and Commander, Other Side of the World. Uh, wonderful movie. Um, it's currently streaming on HBO. Um, our, I didn't. I couldn't find it on HBO actually. Now that's where I watched it. So um, I, I think it went away. Oh yeah, that they might have taken it down. It was yeah. It was on like the Last it. Chance thing on HBO. So yeah, it was, on, probably, it was on Tubi. It's yeah, it's all right. You can check it out on Tubi. Um, podcast you can find on all the major platforms it's on Spotify uh, we're going to put it on YouTube this this will be the first episode that I will have on YouTube so um, look forward to that and uh, thank you for listening please subscribe like all the things please leave us comments if you want to see movies that uh, we haven't thought of we've got quite a bit that oh we I'd to, love to do we that. want to explore but I've, I've been asking around and people have been sending me some weird um, some of my comedian friends gave me a couple of weird ideas so 
I'm, I'll talk to you about those off recording, but that is, uh, I'm, I'm excited. And, uh, yeah, if you have ideas, please send them in. We appreciate listening and, uh, yeah, see you on the next one.